another episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guests. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. Do you feel like you're going through the motions in life, but not really living it? Do you long for more love, pleasure, and joy in your life? The Institute of Core Energetics offers webinars, workshops, and training programs designed to take you on a deep inner transformational journey that will help you develop more meaningful relationships with the people around you and embody the life you long to live. If you want real, lasting, and significant changes in your life, come join us for one of our free virtual community events. To register for the Money Summit and learn more about us, visit www.coreenergetics.org. Well, I am excited for a second attempt uh, to have these wonderful guests with us today. we met through FinCon originally back in Houston uh, a couple of years ago. FinCon is an amazing group of people uh, all getting together that want to help other people about finances in every aspect. Um, and so it's been a really great group. So uh, we met there and then I did an outreach to FinCon and Mark was like, hey, I think we met. <laughs> and we did. So – with us today, we've got Mark Lancia and we've got Mihaila Jekic. Yay! And <laughs> um, Mihaila is a money coach, author, speaker uh, who empowers professionals and business owners to get their money right and build a business and life they love. She's reviewed thousands of business plans and pitches. She's gone from losing everything during the Bosnian Civil War and being a refugee to earning a PhD and performing twice on TEDx stage. She speaks and conducts workshops on personal transformation, resilience, and financial freedom. Mark is a personal finance coach, um, cost savings expert, author, and speaker. He has saved companies tens of millions in parts and labor and helped many individuals build freedom and wealth by focusing their time, energy, and money on what truly matters to them. While earning his industrial engineering degree, yes, engineering, he has pursued his passion for music, playing hundreds of shows, recording four albums, and performing in front of tens of thousands of people. Together, Mark and Mahila have helped many businesses and individuals get out of debt to thrive doing what they love. They've also co-authored a book, Money for Meaning, Philosophy for a Life of Extraordinary, Extraordinary Freedom. Welcome, both of you. I'm so glad to have you back. Glad to be here, Bob. We're excited. Yes. And by the way, we are married. Some oh, people yes. are probably like, what is the relationship here? What is this? I just met her down the street. Just she was like, just hey. walking along. You guys thought, hey, let's write a book, but uh, keep your distance. Keep no, your it's distance. like nine years now, yeah, married, years, and uh, together 13 years. There wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Congrats. that's cool. And you haven't killed each other yet. That's good, especially during just, COVID. Just flesh wounds. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to be a fencer, a sword fighter, so Uh-oh. you can't mess with me. That's, that's right. right. You're going to win. You're going to win. Well, let me ask you this. So, Mark, uh, we're talking about finances, and you're an engineer. Are the engineering uh, stereotypes true? Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> that's a double-edged sword. So I'd say a chunk, yes. I hate to say this. So I'm an industrial engineer, so that was ISE, Industrial Systems Engineering, as abbreviation, which everyone said was 
easy because it wasn't the hardest engineering. Oh, but but let me tell you, it, it was still in the top three in earnings. But you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I took the easy route. But um, yeah, several of the engineers are definitely the communication skills aren't the best, and a lot of them are living on that spectrum. But I got mad love for them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, but uh, yeah, go ahead, Bob. Do you think? Do you think being an engineer is what helped you to like save money for companies in terms of costs and parts and being, um, I don't know, slightly anal is the way I think of engineers. Um, uh, yeah, it, you know, it's part of that. So it, it was always my nature to be kind of thrifty. And then when I was going, I was really started out in double E, which is electrical engineering. And there's a saying, you can't spell geek without double E. But uh, I didn't I didn't cut it. So we went on and I went to industrial engineering and I learned the first class I took was like um, lean manufacturing, which is basically just how to be frugal for the company and how to be efficient, how to, and it just, it just, we just gelled. And so I took that and then went into business for a business minor and so on. But uh, the engineering, the problem solving side of that, like how can I make a better mousetrap? How can I be more efficient with the resources? Um, that was in my life personally. And then now I actually created my own job five years ago where professionally, that's all I do. I created my own cost innovation team. That's all I do is save the company millions of dollars, just, finding problems that no one else sees and getting solutions. And it's actually a lot of, it's a little nerdy, but it's fun. I have fun with it. That's cool. Now, do you have a better mousetrap at your house? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, no mice right now, but you know, know, it is getting wintertime. So they're going to try to creep in and get some of that free heat. And by the way, so my background is in engineering as well. So oh, no. Kind of funny. <laughs> I know. I know. Our poor children. Uh, she, she out-nerds me. I'm just going to say that. She's got more degrees than I have. So. Uh, I do. Yeah. My, my doctorate is in, in engineering. God bless her. Well, so that seems like then you maybe both uh, don't speak the same language, right? Because <laughs> right? engineers don't speak. <laughs> or sort of. I don't know. A sign language. Yeah, yeah, we're not typical, though. I mean, there are some engineers who are pretty cool and who pursue other passions. But, you know, Mark was uh, really into music and, you know, playing with his band, recording albums. And during those same years, I was uh, a competitive fencer. So I was on uh, the captain of the fencing team in college and I competed at the national level. So I don't know. It exposed us to a whole different group of people, you know. So yeah, so yeah we're, we're not we're not typical uh, in that regard. No, that's good. Well, we need our engineers. We need our engineers. So we'll give them lots of love. So, well, Mihaila, you're from Bosnia, and mm-hmm. you lost everything in the Civil War, and um, you ended up making it to Ohio because um, it's a pretty straight, yes. direct route. Oh. I think. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit. Like, what was that like? How'd that happen? Yes. So it happened very quickly. Um, When I was 10 years old, I grew up in Sarajevo, Bosnia, a very normal childhood with my parents, you know, played with with other kids, went to school, really uh, nothing unusual. But in the background, there were tensions building. Um, the, the former Yugoslavia that Bosnia was a part of was ruled by a communist dictator for many years who died in the, the early 80s and left this power vacuum, basically. So then all these, these sides, uh, you know, conflicts started to arise. The politicians pointed fingers, you know, at, at the other side and so on. So 
almost overnight, a civil war broke out and spread like wildfire. Unbelievable. From, you know, going to school one day to there is waking up to gunfire and the city being barricaded and just literally throwing, you know, packing a car with whatever we could and just getting out. And one of the, the memories that I will never forget, it's just etched in my mind, is as we were leaving, my mom still hadn't come to terms with, you know, quite what was happening. So she said, I remember her telling me, you know, get some more things, your school books, we could be, even be gone for two weeks. And let's see, uh, 29 years later, I've never seen my childhood home again. Wow. That, that was it. So then we, for the next few years, um, we bounced around. We had family in a safer part of the country who took us in. I changed, I think, four schools in a year and a half. We were, you know, refugees, got food packets from the Red Cross. And I still remember standing in line with my mom and my little brother, you know, once a month to get those just like flour, canned beans and things like that that helped us out until we finally, uh, three years after the war started, ended up starting a whole new life, moving to Canada, to Toronto, when I was 13 years old, and just starting over with with two bags, with nothing to our name. None of us spoke English, which made the first day of high school rather interesting for me. (laughs) I would imagine. (laughs) What is going on? Where am I going? What are these people saying to me? And... uh, yeah, definitely um, a big life change, big adventure. But I am I'm so glad that it uh, it landed me. And as for Ohio, that was many years later. Uh, I'd already you know was was uh, finishing my um, degree in, in in engineering in Canada. I was passionate about fencing. Wanted to work with a top notch uh, coach who was at the Ohio State University. So I ended up finding a way to do it, actually getting a full stipend to come to Ohio State and get my degree in biomedical engineering so that I could fence. (laughs) 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 The worst excuse to get a PhD ever. But uh, yeah, no, it was was amazing though. It got me to bronze medal at Canadian National Championships. And just, uh, yeah, so. Hey, if you've got a passion, figure out a way to make it happen. And you did. So even if you have to get a PhD and get an education and uh, have a life, uh, you know, make it work. (laughs) But that is also the reason that I am not, that I have nothing to do with engineering anymore. I mean, I really burned out by the end of the PhD. Yeah. The fencing had kind of run its course. I took it as far as I wanted to, I think about midway through my doctorate, but then there was still the rest of it that I had to finish. And it was, I just remember these, so especially towards the end, these 80, 100 hour weeks, I wasn't passionate about it. It was just going through the motions, working these long hours. I mean, I just, I don't know if I ever cried more in my life. <laughs> there was this, this one moment, I remember walking home from the lab and, you know, walking by a tree and just like, this sounds crazy, but like grabbing onto a leaf and hanging onto it just to feel something alive because yeah. I felt like I was half dead. I mean, yeah. just like, I'm not, there's life. And then there's me, like, in this crazy, like, prison of of sorts. So it was just a terrible fit for me. I ground it out and finished because of, and this is actually a lesson because, I mean, other people may go through 
uh, this kind of thing in their jobs where they may hate it, they, they may hate what they're doing, but just like sticking to it out of fear. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Well, I'm in this far. I've already invested this much. I can't fail now. I'll be a failure for life. I can't change direction. I have to grind this out. Bullshit. I don't know if I can say this, but you just yeah. said it. <laughs> <laughs> I said it. I don't know if it will stay in, but I said it. <laughs> you said it. I deserve That's a awesome. master's degree for watching her do it. That's I right. Mean, <laughs> Now, Mark, you grew up in Ohio, a couple of generations. So I imagine your your road to Ohio was a lot different than your wife's. Just a little bit. A little yeah, bit. It's, it's not not quite as uh, twist and turny. No, I, I was born in Columbus, Ohio. I'm actually still here. I, I doubt I'll die in Ohio, though. I think we'll be moving somewhere at some point in time, probably in the near future. But um, no, no, I my my I was kind of. It's kind of odd because I have older, two older brothers who are much older than me, like 12, 13 years older. And my, and they're, I mean, they're my brothers, but they were adopted. And my parents had me. I was the accident baby, the surprise baby. The surprise baby. Surprise baby. And then uh, my sister after that. So my dad was actually a lot older than all my other friends' parents. So okay. he was actually, he lived through the Great Depression. And, oh. and that, yeah. So in some of that, Fear and that scarcity mindset. Well, he taught me a lot of the frugality and just how to be, you know, smart financially. What's a liability? What's an asset? He, I had to shake off that fear mindset because I'll be honest with you. When we, when I was saving, you know, fifty plus percent of my income by, you know, just renting a room and being being very frugal with it and just buying beater cars and, you know, not at the end of the depreciation curve. Um, Part a big chunk of that was honestly fear. You know, it really was just like having nothing to show for it, and and that um, and then actually probably the last ten years is when I finally really shook that off and kind of moved from that scarcity to more of an abundance mindset and kind of just kind of take that next step in that natural evolution. But but my family, you know, we're all from actually my sister. We're all in Ohio except my sister just left today to Green Cayman Island. God. So good yeah, choice. yeah, good choice. You got a job there, so I'm happy for it. But uh, nice. yeah, but uh, no, no, just uh, I'm third generation um, Italian, so it's just one of those things. You know, great grandpa didn't speak English. Grandpa's eighth grade dropout. Dad got an associate's degree, and I'm the first to graduate from college. So it's just awesome. kind of that kind of that path. But we've all been in the Central Ohio area. Yeah, and it's well, really interesting how, just to say how life is strange and brings you together. I mean, we met at an Ohio State campus bar called the Ugly Tuna Saloon. <laughs> the Ugly Tuna. Yeah. The Ugly Tuna, yes, I know. That's, hey, there you go. Life, life, you know, has its own set of jokes, right? So, yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. So you talk about, you mentioned being um, in a mindset of scarcity and frugality, and like, I, I mean, I think that's true for me too. You know, I, I have a, a month's worth of food in my uh, pantry at all times, just in case, um, even though I've never needed it. But uh, I think there's a fine line or there's a balance because I think frugality helps uh, keep us on point um, and then maybe finding that balance where we're actually allowed to have a little bit of pleasure around it and not stay in the fear. You talked about a national natural progression and I, I think that's the balance. I mean, I don't, I used to think frugality was a negative thing, um, you know, and I'm like, I got to get out of this 
cheap mindset. But I also think it served me. And then and then finding that balance. Would you agree, or what is what's your take on that? I, I would agree. And you know, a lot of people think like, "Oh, Mark, you must have had you know all austerity and no fun." Like that's not like I did. I love to travel, and I would spend money happily on travel. I did yeah. like seventeen cruises or something by the time I was thirty. Um, and a lot of other travel beyond that, Europe and all that. Uh, but I just learned how to do it and use the points and find other ways to not, you know, so I, I wasn't paying for it. I was figuring out a way to, to make that happen, but still get what I wanted. That was kind of almost the game of it. But I know I agree completely, Bob, the, the, um, the, the frugality, it's, it, it's almost a means to an end. And I, I still, I see people who are frugally mindset and it served them, but it's not really serving them anymore. But right. the habit subsists. And they continue down this path of frugality, even though I know I have friends that are nearly multimillionaires and they, 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 um, they're just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe what, uh, you know, you went to the dentist and you didn't ask them about your teeth grinding. Now I got to pay 40 bucks for you to go back to the dentist. This was a real conversation I had this week. Wow. So, um, but I was just like, wow, you know, uh, but I would be still in that mindset too, if I didn't make that step, you know, big, big, that there's plenty. There's no scarcity. If you got to pay the dentist 40 bucks, it's going to be okay. Yeah. There is a popular movement as I'm sure you, Bob, Bob you know, the fire movement, financial right. independence, retire early. And I feel like it served us fairly well in our twenties, you know, or, or so, because at that stage in life, before having a family and so on, it makes sense to focus on doing, you know, travel was an exception because we really did value that, but everything else to just like, you know, be relentless about focus on saving and building that net worth and so on. But yeah, there comes a point where it's just, I've gone through the same evolution as Mark and I feel like, and then what? Right. So you generate enough passive income to not need a nine to five anymore, which we got to. And then what? Then what? Right. You know, it's like this process of self-discovery and what you want to do. I don't want to do, you know, sword fighting anymore. <laughs> right. So. So, yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm OK in investing in the things that I truly value. Yeah. And I would say to any of the listeners out there who are hearing us and going, what? You've got passive income. Must be nice. You don't need that to follow your dreams. There's a million ways to live your life now and to follow that career and make those changes and be brave. You know, you don't have to have a big pad in the bank to make that happen. It might help depending on your mindset, how you're, 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 uh, you're upraising and all these different things that let us get to these conclusions. But um, I would I would always say, if you've got something you want to do, don't put off to retirement, some future. Find a way to do it now while you're healthy. I mean, this pandemic, if it's taught us anything, it's not take time for granted. I mean, nothing. Who could ever imagine this? I mean, none of us, right? We can't even leave the country. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, (laughs) the the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Um, When you talk about going for it now, uh, you know, I feel like in this culture, and maybe it's in lots of cultures, but I feel like there's this uh, belief that we have to work hard and sort of make it a painful effort to have money um, and that somehow we're not allowed to actually enjoy it or that it shouldn't come easy. And I don't know if that's your experience, but I feel like that was sort of some baggage that I had to take, that I took on that like, oh, I can't have too much fun at this uh, or I have all these successes, but I'm not enjoying them that much. And uh, like, don't 
think I've, you know, it's still work, but, but there's somewhere where I, I still have a little bit of an apology if it goes too well. Mm, man, Bob, I really recently discovered that in the last year or two, what you just described right there. Um, I started, I found, I got into real estate and started investing in note with notes, which is basically buying debt on like fix and flips and funding yeah. these things. They, they pay a good, high, a decent 10% plus return and asset protects. I won't go into that, but, uh, but a good return. I'm looking at this money coming in every month and I'm like, I didn't like, you know, this is basically pretty close to what I'm earning, you know, and I'm not doing anything. Literally, there's no toilets for me to fix. The text just roll in. Then it's just like, wow, I, money doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be painful. Right. It's not like, you know, paying in equals payment out. And that's why we all sweat and do this thing. And that was my father's mindset. But, and it was my mindset until right. recently when I just kind of just, it's real now. And I understand how, you know, how these things work. It, it, it just, it was really a paradigm shift, but I, exactly what you said, Bob. I mean, Think yeah. yeah, I agree. And same mentality. I mean, my parents, immigrant parents, right, moved to Canada. They started their own business. My dad would often work these 90, 100 hour weeks, compromise his health. It was always struggling, kind of often teetering on the edge of bankruptcy, then pull it out, then, then feast or famine, right? Like so it goes well, and then everything tanks and so on. So, so yeah, seeing all that, I think I, I, definitely had some of that same mindset that it has to be so hard yeah right and you can't enjoy you don't deserve to enjoy it if it, right. if it comes easy so yeah. i i agree with mark it's it's a continuing evolution i don't think there's ever a point where we get to no matter what the age and say hey i've got it all figured out right. this is the end of my growth um <laughs> like that's the perfect mindset and i got it all we continue to evolve yeah, absolutely. Well, now let me ask you this. As you continue to evolve, you had different life stories. Um, Mark, whenever you have like a really hard trial and tribulation kind of story, uh, does Mahila say, yeah, well, you didn't have it as hard as me because um, I grew up a refugee and I like, is there any comparisons? You know, I have friends that sometimes, you know, my grandparents lived through the Great Depression. You don't know what hard is. Um, is there any of that? jokingly or real kind of she, she throws a bag uh, a bag of powdered milk at me and says live on this and then, uh, she doesn't do that but, uh, yeah. how do you like that yeah but uh it's a flower of milk i don't know pour water on it but um uh but yeah that's uh no she never has she's actually never um never plays the trump card like refugee boom you know yeah no never the only thing i pointed out in the past is i don't like seeing anyone waste food so you know like whether even if it's a buffet even if you've paid for it just like don't waste it that for some reason that just bothers me yeah. a little bit but it's a small thing so i've gotten better yeah. but what is what is that for you that triggers like what comes up when you see that waste having been hungry and wanting through those years to just like dreaming of having a yogurt or ice cream or anything other than, you know, like flour, oil, powdered milk, beans, you know, things like that. It just like, it was, it was really hard for a while. And I was really wanting and desiring all these things that are so available. And I think for, for, for that reason, and knowing that there are in people in the world who are hungry and in that situation right now, I just, I just don't like 
that waste. <laughs> well, I think that experience probably gives you a lot of empathy um, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe a lot of gratitude uh, for knowing yeah. – that we don't always all get what we want. I mean, that doesn't seem to feel true here in the U.S. where it's, I can have whatever I want. And I can have 20 types of it and I can have it instantly delivered. Um, and, and so many places in the world, they're just grateful to have a cup of milk, um, a bowl mm-hmm. of rice, um, yeah. basics. That's exactly right. Like clean water, electricity that works, which during those war years, I mean, it was so in and out. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, like those, those things we, we do take for granted, honestly. Yeah. So so I think that's where having seen the other side of that really makes me grateful for things that I think most people just don't even think about. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, what are things um, for both of you that you do not like to spend money on? Um, like, oh, that drive. Like, or better yet, what does she spend money on that drives you crazy? Mm, man, I'm trying to think. She does like to. She loves moisturizers and like, <laughs> like, and it's not like these basic. It's of course it's like the high end. Like, this is from an alpaca, and it's amazing. It's poor alpaca. It's, it's no, exotic, not at yeah. all. It's <laughs> maybe just, not an alpaca, but it's just organic ingredients and may i say this is like um hundred dollars every six months so we're not talking like crazy here get a second job we're we're not the kardashians (laughs) here okay what what does mark spend money on that you're like uh so it's not as much now obviously you know we're in a pandemic but i think with restaurants i just don't feel like i get the return on investment in terms of like uh, money spent and the pleasure that I get out of it, right? So to me, that's just not something like love travel, love, you know, we were aligned on many things, but that's just not one of them, you know, and he's a big foodie. <laughs> I like a good piece of meat or fish and I will happily pay um, absorbent prices once in a while for like some U.S. prime or some real, you know. That's my that's my splurge, you know. But yeah, yeah I was look at the bills. You're like, oh my gosh, we're gonna spend. That's enough. That's from enough for groceries for the whole week. And yeah, you know. yeah. No. But we're making it seem like for the most part, it's you know, there's really no conflict or or looking down or bickering or criticizing the other person. He's never mentioned this moisturizer thing before. So <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a process after this session. That's right, sir. It doesn't, no one's ever going to be on couch for you tonight. That's right. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. Do you have weekly or monthly meetings around budget and money and finances? And what does that look like? <laughs> well, quarterly meetings at the very least. Seriously, it's like a corporation going through their like quarterly review. And Mark is so excited about these. I can't even tell you. It is like foreplay to him. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, let's open up the spreadsheet. Like, look at this. Oh man, like, look, we're charting it out. What's happening here? Pull up personal capital. Oh. <laughs> I, I You're only like doing this quarterly? <laughs> right. <laughs> you got to make it special, Bob. You got to yeah, make it or, special. Or oftentimes, you like, 
pull up accounts. It's like, oh, what's your password? Like, can we log in and see? It's like, no, like, I tried to go to another room just to escape. Like, I don't need to see it, you know? <laughs> Set it and forget it. <laughs> it's nice to see a plan come together, Bob. What can I it say? Is. You know, it's, uh, you know, I like to see, like, oh, my projection and I don't spend that much time on it, but yeah, yeah, when, when there's big movements and things. And this, no, no, this morning, probably not too much time cumulatively, but he's like, you know, pulls up the app on the phone, look at this, look at this. You know what, well, that's the pleasure part. That's the pleasure part, And I'm part, like, right? I'm not even awake yet. Like, you're putting numbers in my face. Like, leave me alone. I just, like, I want to drink my tea, like, get caffeinated, get my day going. And it's just, like, a swirl of numbers. Like, ah. This is where your fencing well, skills come in. That's right. Exactly. Well, all the no revenue came in for the, you know, it was, it was a lot. So it was kind of like, oh, look, it actually works, you know, and. Apparently, I was the only one who was thrilled about it. Whatever. <laughs> well, you know, I think there is something about uh, feeling the pleasure of seeing something actually work out. Like you put all this effort into it or even not a lot of effort, but you follow some good advice and like it's paying off. It's paying off. Uh, how much agree. How much should you – you have two kids, right? Yeah. A seven and a four-year-old? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, how much should you help a kid and how much do you talk with your, at least your seven-year-old, uh, maybe your four-year-old, about money? Yeah, we started with our seven-year-old. So we need to help her because that kid is so entrepreneurial for some reason. She wants to go out and make money for herself doing something. I mean, she turned seven yesterday, right? So we're oh, talking okay, very right. young. Just turned seven. Cool. She, uh, she wants to bake cupcakes and sell them in the neighborhood. She wanted a lemonade stand, which of course is not possible in the age of COVID. Right. And she was like, she loves uh, painting and things like that. She's like, can I sell my paintings like my dinosaur? <laughs> it's like, geez, oh my gosh. Like we got to help her out somehow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we we were perfecting that cupcake recipe, and we never got. Yeah, that. we never quite never turns out, <laughs> you know. Cause, it was getting you know, better. It's yeah. getting better, but yeah. So, but in terms of conversations, uh, yeah, I feel like naturally, uh, yeah, she's entrepreneurial. She is oriented towards saving, and it's almost to the point of like getting her to speak up for herself mm -hmm. for what she wants because. Even for her birthday, she's like, oh, get whatever you want. Well, if you want this or this, it's okay. Whatever you, you know, whatever makes you happy or something. It's like, no, like, what do you want? Um, so I think she's going to be entrepreneurial, a natural saver. And it's about, um, I don't know what to say. Like, it's like, you're worth it. You know, you deserve this. And, and it's, it's almost like the opposite of the problem that I thought we would have. She never asks for anything. Yeah, it's, wow. like, it's, like, it's like a grandma mentality, like, Oh, just give what you want, and I'll just I'll just eat it or what? You know, I was like, come on, you know, so I expect from like my eight-year-old grandma. Like, I don't want to be any trouble. Just yeah, she got some unicorn bracelets, and she took all of them to school to give them away to her friends, except for one. So wow, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. We'll see. The four-year-old will probably be the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Taking all the unicorn bracelets. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. From from your perspective, you've worked with a lot of different people um, around money and saving and, and coaching. What do you think it is that holds us back? What is the mindset uh, that's keeping us from having all of our possibilities? 
Can, can I say this one? Because I can draw a contrast, actually, because I've worked with different... It depends on the person. You know, in some cases, uh, people are driven more by, by you know, the, the status and things like that. And they may make a lot of money, but they're not keeping any of it. Like, as, as much as flows in, as much of it flows out because of believing it's like, you know, it, the... the with essential keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing and working with them and really like not, not going to frugality, but just, just shifting that around a little bit to really get crystal clear on what's important and what's, what's really valuable and what's not, and can really make a dramatic transformation in terms of paying off tens of thousands of dollars worth of that and so on. But I've also worked with people, uh, especially, you know, women, small business owners on the other side where it's kind of the opposite of that. We're just so heart centered and so giving and so, you know, just not focused really on that bottom line and, yeah. and really keeping anything for themselves and maybe not fiscally aware, like what service is actually profitable, which one's not. It's more like, well, whatever people need and what makes them happy. So then that's a different kind of conversation and work that we need to do as opposed to the first case. So yeah, it depends on the person. Yeah. And I'd say too, like the, especially with some of the younger people I worked with, everyone just sees things through their own lens and their own group of friends and their own little circle. So if everyone in that circle is, making $20 an hour or whatever, then they're like, yeah, I'm making 21. I'm winning. As opposed to there's a whole nother paradigm of what you could have if you did different activities or different behaviors or added different value that, you know, a chunk of people could attain if they even understood that it exists or what that mindset even looks like. So it's almost like peeling back like, Hey, you know, someone comes to me, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 35. Right. Well, okay. We, you can be a millionaire, but it, you, you sure, is that really what you want? Like, right. what, what do you want your life to be? And how are you, and what are you going to change? Because you're not, it's going to be really tough if you're making 15 bucks an hour and I'm not saying it's impossible, but I not an optimal route. How's that? Um, yeah. You know, you'd have to do a lot of different things. Um, and, and but just getting that out there. Cause so many people, if they're in a circle, like I went to a pretty bad high school and like I one three three convicted murderers in my, in my uh, senior just year, <laughs> just three. One's on death row. Um, nice, uh, you know. It's just he, he almost got away with it. But uh, <laughs> so uh, it, it was rough. But until I got to college, I thought everyone's experience was the same. You know, I was yeah. eighteen years old, and I was like, everyone went to like this kind of trashy school. I, you know, that was my world until yeah. I uh, got exposed and then just opened my eyes to what's out there. And I think that's seeing that. Um, different, deeper vision, just further, further sight of what can be accomplished and what those real people are who are doing it and making it real. Getting yeah. that mindset. That, that so much makes sense. I mean, I think we, uh, what I'm hearing is expand the circle and uh, mm-hmm. expand the, the vision um, because expand the lens so that we can actually, because I think that is true. I have people that say, I want to make a million dollars by next week. Okay, well, let's figure out as an engineer, right? What are the steps to get us there? Um, it, it's it's going to be a little difficult with just a week to get to a million dollars without some major adjustments. Um, so I think that's awesome. Um, I could sit and talk to you guys for hours, and uh, I'd love to sit in on your next uh, family financial meeting because <laughs> I'm a lawyer. And, uh, <laughs> 
Um, where can where can people find you on social media? So the the best place is actually our website is moneyformeaning.com. Um, Facebook, Money for Meaning as well. So I'd say those would be the two places. And, and also um, our book, Money for Meaning, is on Amazon.com. You can pick that up on any Amazon.com website. There's only one. And um, <laughs> and also I've got opening. I've got one opening right now for personal coaching. And typically those are financial goals. But of course that goes into personal and professional goals. Uh, as you go down that road. So if anyone's interested, you can reach out through the website. We've got information there. Awesome. So coaching, books, and lots of wisdom. So check them out. Um, so appreciate that. And I just want to then say to our listeners as well, don't forget to share the love. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, iHeart Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. And if you prefer to watch our episodes, you can head over to the YouTube channel and subscribe to our channel. Uh, thank you both again, Mark Mahalia. It was so awesome having you here. I'm so glad we got to have a second chance at this. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll look forward to seeing you in Austin, if not before. Definitely. Definitely. Bob, thank you so much. We really enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. So Mark will be going to Austin by himself because, oh. you know, well, the, the, the little Party. ones. The, somebody has you know, to watch so, the kids and raise them Somebody with integrity. has to watch. Yeah, someone has to raise them. <laughs> oh, oh road of hell, yeah. I'll be having a drink for you behind. <laughs> Thanks. Well, we will talk soon. All right. All right take care. Take care, Bob.